Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Going Afterthoughts. I, of course, am your host, Amara, and I'm here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's up, y'all? So I just wanted to start off by saying sorry because the episode was a little late this week. We usually drop the episodes on Thursday, but this week we were on Friday, but we are back. Um, and so, you know, we usually drop on Thursday, but it's okay. one of them weeks, you know, Yeah. sometimes. You told him you were a wife and, things, a, and a mama. Exactly. And things happen. So, you know, but, you know, we try to get them on time. But anyway, this week we told the story of um, the murder of Tiana Notice. And this is one of those stories where I know just based on the comments and just, you know, anybody who listened to the story, me telling the story, I know this story made people mad. It was just, you know, a story where there were so many things that happened that um, could have been prevented and had this situation been handled differently, what happened to Tiana may not have happened. And it's it's a it's really a, a tragic story in so many ways. Yeah, and it kind of uh, kind of falls in line with the few stories that you've just told in uh, the recent weeks. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me so much of the Nyla Franklin story and the Carrie Harris Wick story because it kind of has has elements of both of those stories. Like the the Nyla Franklin story, you have the man who that she was dating that was pretending to be someone that he was not, driving a Bentley that wasn't his. He had the domestic violence um, from his past. And then in the Carrie Harris Wick situation, you have the obsession with the person at work. And although she had no relationship with him, he could not accept the rejection. And that was part of the situation in Tiana's story, which was that her boyfriend, or ex-boyfriend, I should say, could not accept the fact that the relationship was over. Mm. Uh, so, in light of that, mm -hmm. let's go right to the recap yeah. of the story. Yeah, so, like I said, Tiana Notice was a 25-year-old woman. She was living in Plainville, Connecticut, which I've never heard of before I told this story. Um, and... She was um, in school. She was uh, living her life single, you know, no children, I should say. Um, everything was going well for her. She was working as a, um, working in admissions at a local university and just living a, a normal life. She had dated someone for about five years, according to reporting, and then they had broken up and she had been interested in, you know, dating again. And 
through a dating site. Now, in the story, I say that it's MySpace because in most of the reporting, it says MySpace, but some of the reporting says it was a dating site. But it's been reported specifically that it was MySpace. So she meets this guy through MySpace. What year was it? This is 2007 when she meets him. So. Could have been MySpace. Yeah, so easily MySpace. Uh, since 2007, she meets someone online named James Carter, James Carter II. And he says that he is a works in finance or insurance, I'm sorry, he works in insurance, and he's an executive, doesn't have any kids, but he does want kids eventually, owns his own home. You know, he just, like, like I said in the story, looks good on paper. So Tiana decides that she'll go out on a date with him, and they meet and they go have dinner, and, and then after that, they start dating. But not too long after they start dating, uh, Tiana notices that he's not exactly who he says that he is. And he, even worse, is arrested for domestic violence and sentenced to five months in prison. After this, in the fall of 2008, after dating him for, you know, some time, Tiana's like, I'm done with him, decides to stop dating him, breaks up with him. But he is not, he doesn't want the relationship to end. And so he proceeds to start harassing Tiana. He calls her, emails her, texts her. It's just, you know, nonstop to the point where she ends up having to go and get a restraining order. She gets this restraining order, but even with the restraining order, he does not honor the restraining order. He continues to contact her. Um, he's following her. It's just, it's, it's getting really, really bad. And then on February the 14th, after numerous contact with the police on behalf of Tiana, you know, reporting that he is violating her, restraining order and nothing being done, uh, James Carter shows up at Tiana's apartment, uh, waits for her to come home, and then he stabs her 18 times, killing her. He's arrested an hour later, and then he is uh, ultimately convicted of her murder. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the overall recap of the story. <laughs> yeah, so he was convicted. Mm-hmm. And um, so this process of uh, just everything that happened from what I listened to in the story, mm-hmm. you you kind of start with um, what what you call, and um, this is something I just learned, mm-hmm. which is the love bombing, just yeah. uh, giving a bunch of gifts. So, uh, of course, as we always do, we're going to talk about some interesting things mm-hmm. that you find mm-hmm. uh, most interesting mm-hmm. about this case. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I would like for you to start with that, um, yeah. the love bombing. Yeah. Just the um, and the and one of the reasons that I kind of wanted you to start with mm-hmm. with that, which is something that we didn't discuss. Yeah. But just to give everybody kind of a heads up of you know different circumstances that they they could you know maybe watch out for potentially. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think that love bombing is something that a lot of people don't don't know about or recognize and. It is and can be an early sign of abuse. And and like I said in the episode, every thing is not love bombing. Every time you meet somebody and they're, you know, a generous person does not necessarily mean that they're love bombing. But there are certain things that they do, and especially very, very early on, there's certain types of gifts that they may give you that will, will show you that this may be a little bit more than, you know, just somebody who's generous, you know what I mean? Like the gifting of phones, the, you know, paying for things that, you know, are just like, why is this, why is this person doing this this early on in the relationship? 
those are things that you kind of have to look out for, you know, and those are, like I said, those are not the only signs. Um, usually it is, um, I should say, followed by other things, you know what I mean? But sometimes that is the first, that is the first sign that there are, um, that controlling behavior exists, that this is a way to, like I said in the episode, lure you into a false sense of security, that this is a nice guy, that you can depend on him or her, you know, in regard, what, what you know, depending on the situation. But it's a way to to make you feel like, you know, and sometimes the next step after that is like an isolation. They they create an environment where you're depending on them financially, and then they isolate you from your family and your friends. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a process, but it's something that definitely a lot of people are not aware of. I think more people are aware of it, you know, now that people are paying attention to things like domestic violence and the early signs. And, but it's definitely... Um, still not something that is widely known or, or even looked out for as a sign. And and just to clarify with the phone, I think that you're stating, like, in the facts of, like, keeping in contact with them and yeah, making exactly. sure Yeah, exactly. And I'm not know, saying that it has to be. Like I said, every like, situation is yeah, different. Because it could be anything. Diamonds. And you have to use whatever, your judgment. Cars. You have to use your judgment. It could be, literally, yes, you're right. It could be anything. And, that, and that's when, like I said, you have to trust your gut. You have to trust your instincts. And like I said, it's not always... Um, it's, it's sometimes the first sign. It's not the only sign. So they're, they're more likely than not will be other signs. And like I said, just because you met somebody and they're a nice person and they're generous or they give you a gift doesn't mean that you should be like, oh, snap, this love bomb and I just known him for a month and he's already, you know, offering to do something nice for me. Like, that's not, you know, let's not be, you know, not overthinking in that way. Or But you can't ever be too safe. You know what I mean? And I think that it's just paying attention, especially in the early months and and weeks when you're miss, uh, meeting somebody, eventually people will show you who they really are. And sometimes you will look back and be like, ah, okay, I see what, you know what I mean? Or they were genuinely just a nice person. But yeah. um, I've seen it happen time and time again, especially in these stories. And it's something that I always want to point out when I kind of see that as being an element of of the story, especially when it comes to domestic violence and 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 young people, young women out here who are dating, like, you know, just to yeah. be conscious of all signs. It's not just him, you know, cussing you out or putting his hands on you. Um, you know, there's emotional control, you know, there's, I mean, emotional abuse, I should say, you know, there's control, there's isolation, there's all types of things that um, abusers will do to their victims that don't necessarily involve, you know, punching you in your face. You know what I mean? There's other things that they do to abuse you. So definitely. Yeah. All right. So let's get into something else that you have interest in about uh, this case. Yeah. So this case, like I said, it was one of those cases where it just really made you mad because Carrie, I'm sorry, Carrie, Tiana went to the police numerous times. And it, that that's the biggest part of this story is the amount of times that she went to the police. She went to the police 33 times within a six-week period to report that her ex-boyfriend was harassing her. And the fact that the police did nothing is right. just, it's, it's not... It's not something that you expect from the police when you're in, you know, people expect, oh, I got a restraining order and that's going to do something. That's going to mean something. I'm not going to be harassed. Or if this person violates the restraining order, then I can go to the police and the police are going to help me. And in Tiana's case, 
That's exactly what she did. She went to the police. She asked for help 33 times. She showed them messages. She showed them emails. She showed, you know, her car tires were slashed. Her mother had, you know, witnessed or was a witness. All of these things were going on and nobody did anything. And, you know, I was thinking about, I was telling you, it reminded me of the the movie, the movie Enough with Jen, Jen, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, for the, you know, I don't know, you know, how old people are listening to this, but, you know, you remember the movie Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. She plays the, the, the wife, she marries the man, and, you know, not long after they get married, he starts hitting her. And she goes to the police at one point, and she's pretending that she's, you know, going for a friend, and she asks the police, you know, what should she do if, you know, she's getting beat on? And the police basically say to her, well... You know, he you can get a restraining order, and she's like, well, right. "What? What's that? What's that going to do?" It's like you know, a piece of paper, and you know, if he comes around, what am I going to do? Throw it at him, you know? And the cop says to her, "Well, you know, that's when that's when she calls us, and we come." And and Tiana's situation, that's exactly what she did, right, yeah. with her restraining order. Like she called the police, and they did nothing. And so, as much as we you know know that people go and file restraining orders, and sometimes they work. They aren't enough, especially if you go to the police and say, this person is not respecting the restraining order. They're violating the restraining order and the police do nothing. Right. And especially if those people were that uh, emotional and upset and aggressive in the first place. I mean, you think a a, a restraining order is going to replace that? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's That's, why why you had to get the restraining order in the the first first place. place. Exactly. They don't listen to just say, listen, stop coming around, leave (laughs) me alone. And like I said, I mean, I'm sure there's some instances where somebody gets a restraining order and the person is like, you know, I don't want no trouble. I'll just leave it alone. But that's, that's not enough. And like I said, in a situation where you know for sure that the person is not respecting the um the restraining order it is absolutely inexcusable that you would not then go and arrest this person or at least talk to them and find out what's going on it's absolutely ridiculous so it's really you know that's the that's the first part of the story and i know that that's you know starting off with that part of the story is is important because I know that's the part that made everybody mad. You know, just that fact. Obviously, Tiana ultimately being murdered is the fault of her murderer. But the police and, you know, law enforcement's failure in this story is hard to ignore. It's it's really hard to ignore. You can't, and it's not even about bashing the police or bashing all police. But in this situation, the police, they, they effed up. Like, they 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 really did. They dropped the ball when they had a woman coming to them 33 times. She went to different police departments. She talked to them and and they did nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh give us something else that you find interesting about this case. So, when I you know, going into we talked about, you know, the the failure of the police and we know that James Carter was harassing and basically, uh, not basically, what he was harassing and stalking Tiana. And the police were basically just like, hey, there's nothing we can do. And, you know, I don't, I, the, 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 the thing that is the, a problem is that he had a history of doing this. So the fact that the police were so willing to ignore 
what Tiana was saying is even more egregious. Because, so I talked about the fact that we know that um, he went to jail for domestic violence. Uh, He was arrested for domestic violence while he was dating Tiana. But what I didn't say in the episode, which is something that I really dug a little deeper into when I was getting ready for Afterthoughts, was that in 2005, his ex-girlfriend filed a restraining order against him. And guess what he did after she filed the restraining order against him? He violated the restraining order. Yeah. (laughs) Okay? He violated the restraining order multiple times. And then he ended up in jail. So... In 2000, June 2005, he was, um, his ex-girlfriend was granted a restraining order. And then 13 days later, he was, the, the first restraining, the restraining order was granted on June 13th. On June 21st, he was then accused of violating the restraining order. So here we go. There's a pattern of behavior of him being, having restraining orders filed against him and then him violating the restraining This is 2005. This is four years before Tiana is murdered, okay? And then he is ultimately, um, he's arrested multiple other times. He has a, a long rap sheet of being arrested for, you know, everything from traffic violations to, you know, all different types of things, criminal, you know, uh, what is it? Criminal uh, 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 mischief. Mischief. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Stumble. Criminal mischief. Um, you know all types of things. But the most important thing is that he keeps violating this restraining order, and so he 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 fails to appear in court. Um, you know, in December two thousand five, and then. In January 2006, it's like over and over again, he's in and out of court. But the thing that stood out to me the most, of course, is the fact that he showed this pattern of violating a restraining order. He had a restraining order filed against him, violates the restraining order, ultimately ends up in jail. His ex-girlfriend says in her affidavit that Carter, uh, James Carter, had threatened to kill her numerous times threatened to harm her family and friends, and threatened to assault her daughter. And he also threatened to damage her car. Coincidentally, like how he damaged Tiana's car. So you have this, all of these things about this man. So you're not just talking about, oh, like, oh, James Carter was just really genuinely this good guy. And you have Tiana saying that he's harassing her, but we don't really have anything about him that would indicate that this is, that he's a danger or that he would do anything like this except that they did. And had someone just taken a look into his past when she went to them and said, "This he's violating his restraining order again. This man just served time for domestic violence. Look at the history of this relationship with his ex-girlfriend. She's saying that he threatened to kill her. And they did nothing. Because they didn't even look into that. So, yeah, that's something that I really wanted to share with, with, with you guys. Because, like I said, I, I knew that he had a history of, of violence. I knew that about the domestic violence charge and, and the ultimate um, sentence that he served. But I did not know that one of the, one of you know, part of that case was that he had actually violated another restraining order. It's just, it, like I said, it makes what happened with him and the lack of, 
action on behalf of the law, law be, uh, behalf of the police, it makes it even more egregious because mm-hmm. they had all of this information. Yeah. This is not 1982. This is 2009. Yeah. 2009. So. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good work. Yeah. Um. Anything else you have that's interesting about this case? I know that we have a few questions to get to um, and some very, very good comments that will extend this conversation. Yeah. But do you have anything Not else? Not really. Let's, I would rather just let's get into the questions. I think I, I really wanted to share with you guys um, that part about James Carter's history because I know I didn't include all of those details, but I know that that's probably just going to piss you off even more. But yeah. Yeah, let's get into the comments and the questions. I'm interested. Okay. So, um, like other weeks, sometimes we have a blend of my questions and Mm -hmm. questions from the listeners. Um, So, we're going to try to get to a a little bit of both of those questions. Uh, I'm going to start off with me this week. Just because, um, you know, when I listen to the case, these are some things that I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, let's kind of see if this is some, some of the things that maybe other people... Wanted to know, but maybe didn't uh, get to ask. Yes. So in the story, you said mm-hmm. um, that uh, both Tiana and the young man Carter mm-hmm. filed restraining orders against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of know why he was able to file the restraining order. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere um, that you found that uh, a reason why she was able to uh, follow restraining order and the judge kind of grant both? So I couldn't find any information that specifically indicated why, but here's what I think. I believe that they just thought that these were just two exes that were just mad at each other and were just fighting. You know, I think that there's always... um, uh, what, what should I say? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a preconceived notion or judgments about people and their circumstances and their situation. We know that when um, they broke up in the fall of 2008, that police had been called. This is something that I found out, too, that when she decided to break up with him, that he, that police were called to the home when he came to get his things. And so there may have been... a. a an idea on behalf of the judge that this was just a couple that couldn't get along after a breakup. And so maybe it was better just to grant both restraining orders and maybe this would be the end of it and it would be done. Clearly, the things that Tiana was presenting about her case wasn't enough to for the judge to be like, oh, well, he's the aggressor in this situation. I, I, I don't know, but... Even if it didn't, I think that my belief is that the judge made a judgment that these were just two people who broke up and were fighting like a lot of people do when they break up and they can't, you know, sometimes it's a lot of back and forth after a breakup and people are arguing and the police might get called and you might, you know, there's a lot of, it can get ugly. You so, know he, so he basically was just saying, y'all stay away from exactly, each other. Exactly, stay away from okay. each other. I think that's what it was. Okay. Because the allegations that James had made against Tiana was that she had hit him and then I think he's like broke the taillight of his car. Now, he didn't have any proof of this, but this is just what he's saying. And I don't know, I don't have any video of him or how he is, but maybe he presented well. Sometimes that that's 
That's enough. If he presented a certain way and, you know, the judge believed him, then that was enough for him to get the restraining order granted. And like I said, but I think I think more than anything, it was like what you said, that he was like, this is, y'all stay away from each other. I'm going to grant both restraining orders and hopefully this will be the end of it. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now this goes into my other question, which is, uh, and I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's controversial, but mm-hmm. um, it's important because, of course, on this this podcast, we talk. Uh, this podcast is kind of about representation, mm-hmm. and um, just as far as her contacting the police departments, and it was two different police departments, yeah, right, for a total of thirty three times. I can imagine just her walking in those police departments or making those phone mm-hmm. calls and making a report. And in the background, you see, I don't know, like I said, on previous episodes of, mm-hmm. I'm not a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine you walking in a police district and there's four female cops. Mm-hmm. And then the other 20 is just grown men. Mm-hmm. And they take the report and it goes to somebody's desk. Yeah. And those men are men. Mm-hmm. And then the other men are men. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, this is not, this is nothing. Yeah. It's not um, a big deal. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it would have been different mm-hmm. had there been more maybe female officers? And like I said, I don't know, yeah, don't know the the, I don't know the demographic of those officers, but mm-hmm. I just can imagine. So this is just a, you know, hypothetical question. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think that could have made a difference in them but uh, them being like, oh, I've I've been through this before, or you know, somebody's harassed me before? You know, do you think that that could have been the? I think that yeah, I mean, I yeah, it could have. I you know, I didn't never even thought about it in that way, but it, it definitely could have because it does that does matter. I think that female officers would have a different experience and maybe a different relation to what Tiana was telling them and believed her a little bit more. There was a lot of doubt that Tiana faced when she went to the police department. And like I said, we don't know who she talked to when she went there. Um, she might have talked to a female officer who, uh, officer. who knows? But I do think that representation in all ways matters, not just with white, not, with you, not just with women, but with also having black officers on the force, having, you know, black women on the force. You know, all these things can factor into how somebody relates to a victim and and their story. But we know that most police departments are overwhelmingly male. And so what we need those police departments to do is believe the victims, you know? I think that if if a, if a woman comes into a police station 33 times, I think that that's something to look at. And I think by the time that these police departments decided, especially when Plainville was the one who decided, once they decided that they were going to do something, they actually may have caused more harm than good, and they didn't stop anything from happening. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's hard. It's always hard to say, but I think that is an interesting point, whether or not there were any female officers on the force or whether they were available for her to talk to and whether or not they would have handled it differently if if they had listened to her story and, like you said, been able to relate and say, well, I know what this may be like or I can understand, I can empathize with this in a different way. Yeah. 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 Um, that was just a question I had. Yeah, um, something that Something that I thought about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you know. So let's go to Instagram. 
this is one that um I I kind of like, and this is more of a comment uh-huh. and reads. Mm-hmm. Restraining orders are so ineffective. Mm. I wish more women would take self-defense, get concealed weapons, <laughs> and learn situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that. That was when the episode was posted. And I know a lot of people post uh, comments, of course, when the episode posts. Yeah. But I thought that was a good one because um, uh, my granddaddy's from the South. <laughs> and, you know, I won't tell you on this podcast whether I'm for or against guns. Mm-hmm. But one thing he did say was, you never know. You got to put a man down. Yeah. So uh, even for uh, um, even for a female. Yeah, it is important. You know, I, I think I, that's important just to know, to be, be able to protect yourself. Yeah, I think, you know, situational awareness, number one, is always, I'm, I'm, I notice everything. I'm always, I notice everybody, I, you know, every car. Like, this car been turning everywhere. I turn for the past five <laughs> turns. Sure do. Let me not, what's, what's going on? Why you behind? Why you following me? Yeah. You know, I'm very, like, aware of what's going on yeah. around me. So I, I'm a 100% advocate for situational awareness. I think that, you know, self-defense is also important. I think that if you have the ability to take advantage of self-defense courses in your, you know, city or town or wherever you live in, I think those are also important, especially for women who um, are single, who are, you know, live alone, who are dating. You know, those, I think it's very, very important to protect yourself. I thought about, you know, as I think about that comment, I think about, you know, the situation that someone like Atiana is in. And I don't, I didn't know Tiana and I don't know, I don't know Plainville, Connecticut. I don't know how she was raised. I don't know any of those things. But I I do know that those, you know, carrying a gun or those type of things are foreign to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people in this country who grew up around guns, who are very comfortable around guns, you know, we're not debating whether or not this, we're not debating about the Second Amendment or nothing like that. But no. there are people in this country who who have always had guns, who grew up with guns. Like I said, you may, and I'm not even just talking about who people who live in the South or people who live in the middle of the country. There's people in this city who have had guns their whole lives, you know? Life. Um, and they're very comfortable with them. But there are also people who, the, a gun is a very, very foreign thing to them. It's something right. that they would never even think about or consider. Like, and that's something that we often have, also have to consider. Like, everybody's not like, I'm gonna get a gun. Like, that's not even something that they would, they wouldn't even know how to get a gun. That, that's not part of their upbringing or their culture or, you know? And so, even for somebody like a Tiana, I think that, Getting a gun in in that in the context, just talking specifically about gun, she may that might not have even something that she would ever even thought about. Um, obviously, there are other things that you can have for self defense other than a gun. You know, you can have you some pepper spray, you can carry your own knife. Um, but again, I think that Tiana felt like she was being harassed and being stalked, and and that she may have been in danger. But I don't know if she foresaw that that James Carter was ultimately going to stab her 18 times while she went into her apartment. I don't, I don't think that she saw that coming, you mm-hmm. know. And that's the sad part. As 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 crazy as he seemed, um, you know, I think that, and that's the other thing. That's the thing about the love bombing thing. That sometimes when there's no physical abuse, 
people don't realize that it can still escalate to a physical abusive situation. Yeah. And it, just because you didn't spend a relationship with somebody with their hitting you, the, the behavior that they're exhibiting after the relationship is over or at the end of that relationship can still result in them becoming violent with you. You know what I mean? And so um, that just goes into the whole, like, being precautious and, and, and you know, acknowledging red flags. But... Um, but yeah, I do think ultimately, just to kind of wrap that question up, I, I think that you should definitely always be situationally aware. And if you can take advantage of self-defense classes, I'm sure that women who listen to this podcast, that's something that's probably made you think, th these stories have probably made you think about that a little bit more about how you would defend yourself and being, you know, defending yourself in situations. Um, and so I think that's a good thing because I think that, you know, you should. But yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to... Um Maybe one more question, mm -hmm. one more question slash comment on um, Spotify. We appreciate okay. you guys commenting and sending in questions. If there's anybody that's new to the Black Girl Gone uh, podcast, uh, when we do these afterthoughts, um, we just, we just want you guys to just participate and just give your thoughts and mm -hmm. just some insight on maybe things you've been through or things you've seen. Um, so this is uh, one that says, why would the police warn him mm. they were going to possibly arrest him? Mm -hmm. He was not afraid of the law if he continuously violated the restraining order. The police did not care until it was too late. And just like we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, it's, you know, it's a piece of paper. The reason why, you know, they're getting a restraining order in the first place is yeah. because they really are not yeah, good listeners. <laughs> yeah, they're not good listeners. They don't follow directions. Yeah, they that's don't follow the here. rules. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting comment about the the police calling him. I thought the same thing uh, when I was doing the case. It's like, why did the police decide to reach out? Because when you look at the timeline, that's the other thing that's so sad about this case is the right. timeline. Is because two hours before Tiana was killed, she was at the police station, y'all. Like, she was there at the police station. Like, she went home, they called this man, and then he went to her apartment and killed her. That's crazy. But why they decided to call him and, and tell him that they were going to arrest him is, who who knows? Who who, who knows? That's, that's probably why her family got $10 million, because it was just a lot of stupidity that happened. They didn't need to call him. What, what would you call him for? Call him to say what? You What you needed to do was investigate what she was saying, and then if you had evidence, go and arrest him. Why would you call him and say, we're going to arrest you? We're going to arrest you. We know you're stalking this woman. We're going to arrest you. Like, why? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Question will be questionable behavior on behalf of the police department. And I think that we can say that, especially considering that they had to pay out $10 million to her family. I think we can... Uh, you know, I think we can all draw that conclusion that they that they sucked at this this whole situation. And and like I said, this was a systemic failure on behalf of those police departments in Connecticut. Yeah, man. Hopefully they're doing better now. Hopefully they've uh, learned their lesson and this will never happen again. Well, um, in light of that, mm -hmm. I did get some help mm -hmm. on um, the situation involving... Uh, restraining orders mm -hmm. because now, uh, so so I looked at, I looked I looked up that they have a law 
and this was back in 2000 and uh, it was decided in 2011. Okay. Or 2010. Okay. Um, that they had that Connecticut had a pilot program, which allowed the use of global positioning system. Mm-hmm. Uh, monitoring of family violence offenders, okay. including uh, available program statistics on the current utilization of GPS systems and its effectiveness mm-hmm. in those type of situations, mm-hmm. whether it be house arrest or anything like that. Okay. So that's something that they did a year study on, yeah. and then they made it broader. And then now mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, where we live, mm-hmm. uh, where we live, uh, they have adopted it, mm-hmm. and this is. Um, a law that they just adopted maybe two two months ago, if I mm-hmm. could pull it up. Uh, so um, Representative Scott Conklin, mm-hmm. um, he proposed les- legislation that would permit the that would permit the le- electronic monitoring of people who have uh, a protection abuse. Um, uh, order of fi- protection? Filed, yeah, filed yeah. against them. Okay. So he permitted that. So um, in a case where maybe. 20 years ago, you just filed a restraining order. Mm. Now we're in a situation where um, there has been some growth yeah. uh, to the people that asked that question. And, you yeah. know, you might, That's you know, great. you get a restraining order and you get somebody that has a bracelet on them, yeah. which, you know. Which would help. I think that's helps, something that you know should I mean? be definitely more broadly adopted because if you think about it, that would help prevent a lot of these cases. If if somebody goes to um, the police and says that they're being stalked and harassed and then they're able to grant a protection order against that person, then yeah, there should be some type of monitoring of that person because like we keep saying, a piece of paper is not going to stop them. And by the time that person may call the police or get the police there, it may be too late. And I think that adding that extra incentive, or I should say, I shouldn't say incentive, that extra level of protection, protection or, or monitoring. Yeah, or monitoring also to the person who is under the protection order, the person who's, you know, the 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 perpetrator, maybe that will make them think twice, like, well, they're watching me. They're, you know, I can't just go over to her house or get within 25 feet of her house because, you know, the police will be called. That's something that I definitely think... Um, yeah, that would that's a that's a really good thing, and I think that you know, depending on what level you know each state is looking at, I think that's really good. And well, I they said that, a lot of states have adopted it, yeah, and they're continuing that's what's uh, up. to adopt it. That's what's up, and I think that you know, unfortunately, you know, it's too late for Tiana, but if more states adopt things like that and are able to protect better protect. Um, victims of domestic violence, you know, who are under threats of domestic violence, that that would be a you know that would be a great thing. It's not gonna it's not gonna catch them all, but it would help. It would definitely help and probably you know help in the decline of these type of situations. So yeah, anything else? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's really all I have. Okay. Um, thank you to anybody that commented or shared. Yes, uh, we always appreciate that, and. Um, you know, I'll just wrap it up, of course, with um, just my final thought, and then mm-hmm. you can go. Uh, it's it's just always sad when, you know, we're seeing uh, just a. It's you know we look at the last case couple cases that you've covered, mm-hmm. and of course I get this insight from you, mm-hmm. and um, it's so many other cases that's happening happening like this, mm-hmm. and it's not 
just these few cases, and it's not just uh, you know uh, women. It's 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 children. It's mm-hmm. men. It's um, it's a lot of things going on. Yeah, and um, it's it's a self it's a reminder to to yourself to just you know do a you know do a self inventory on yourself and look at you know everything that you allow around you. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. And um, do an do an inventory, and sometimes it's hard. But look at you know, look at the people that you rely on, and um, just continue to make sure you have people uh, people around you that mm-hmm. that really care. Yeah, you know. Yeah, as you know, the the Tiana Nota story. I when I tell a story that is solved, I always want to make sure that there's something about this story that is the reason why it should be told again. And it's not just because this woman has been murdered and it's, you know, ooh, she would happen. And let's do the details. And But there's something about this story that should be retold because there's lessons in this story. And this is one of those stories. There's so many things that went wrong for Tiana. And like I said, um, you know, with, with what Jason just said about states, you know, and these new laws about monitoring um, people who are under protection orders and things like that, those are the type of things that we need to not have this happen again. It's it's unbelievable that Tiana went to the police 33 times and they did nothing. It could have been prevented had they, she went to the police on the first time and they had actually addressed the situation then or started investigating then. The outcome could have been way different. But unfortunately, we will never know that. But the things that happened... Um, to Tiana, like I said, are things that people should know. People should know how she was stalked and harassed and and nobody did anything. And the failures of the police department. I tell a lot of stories and sometimes the police do their job and they, you know, right from the beginning. And, and a lot of times they don't in these situations when it comes to black women and missing and murdered black girls. Um and this is one of those situations where the police really, really dropped the ball. And it's and it's disappointing to know that even when she did everything that she was supposed to do, she did everything right. She went to the police. She, you know, had proof. They did nothing. So that's why I wanted to tell Tiana's story. And I, like I said, I know that this story is one of the stories that make you mad. It makes you mad when you listen to it. Um... It's a, a it's a story where you know that had things just went a little differently, Tiana may still be alive. But we also have to remember that ultimately the person that is to blame for Tiana's death is her murderer. And that's just, you know, what it is. What, whether, you know, the police did or did not do things, that's, you know, that was why they were sued, you know. And that's why her parents took them to court. But the blame lies at the feet of her murderer, who is James Carter II, who is serving um, a 60-year sentence for her murder. He's the one who did it. And it's another story about how, um, you know, people have to accept rejection. That's another part of the story. You know, we talk a lot about the police, but this is also a story about a man not being able to rece- accept that a relationship was over. He could have just left Tiana alone. Um, he had started dating someone else, but his obsession with her is what led him here. And then eventually... He stabbed her 18 times. And, um, yeah. So, you know, I appreciate you guys listening to this story. Um, it, it was a tough one to, to tell, and I know it was a tough one to listen to, just like many of our stories. Uh, and 
it was so reminiscent of so many other stories that we told, but that's just it's just what it is right now. Like that's just this that's that's what this podcast is. And a lot of these stories do have very similar themes. And that's why it's important to tell them because there's things that we can um learn and hopefully prevent in in our relationships and the people that we're raising, um, and you know, and all that stuff. So yeah. So as usual, we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Black Girl Gone. And then, of course, on Thursday, and I promise it will be Thursday, um, we'll be back with the afterthoughts for that episode. Um, Just thank you guys again for always listening. And we will talk to you guys next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.